message is the church, the body of Christ. The church, the body of Christ. It was a few weeks ago that I sat down with the staff and I asked them, why do we go to church? You're like, oh, bright staff if they've got to figure that one out, you know. Really, why do we go to church? Why do you go to church? And we started coming up with some answers and everyone that we gave is like, there's something wrong with that. You don't have to go to church to do that. I do that at home. So why do we go to church? And just so we don't feel confrontational today, I'll just give you some of these answers so that you can see. Um, we go to church to worship. You can worship at home. And be in God's presence. To fellowship. Hear the word of God. To pray. To experience his glory. See the problem? We can do all those things at home. Actually, we don't even look at fellowship the same anymore. We've replaced intimate face-to-face -face with inanimate objects like this phone. We call having a friendship a click of a button. That's not a friendship. You don't even know that person. Or maybe you do know that person, but that's the only time you talk to them. Is by liking or sad little face or happy giggly face. Right? We don't even call people on the phone anymore to hear their voice. We text them. I get texts sometimes and I have to respond. The question you're asking me will not come across correctly if I don't do this face to face. Because you can't hear my tone, you can't see my facial expressions, we can't discuss. So this would be better said face to face. But see, we've replaced all this face to face touching and holding and seeing each other with inanimate objects and we, cons we consider it fellowship and it's not. See, all these things are good things but they're all individually receiving postures. And there we go, we slipped back into what I spoke on a few weeks ago, a selfish salvation. That is all what we can get from it. Church is there for me. Church is there for what I can get out of it. I had a couple people actually correct me a couple weeks ago. Maybe a week ago, I don't know, in the last couple weeks. About stop saying that the church is dying. I'm simply not trying to prophesy death over the church. I'm stating the facts. That the statistics say the church in America is dying. There's more church closing the doors than there are new churches opening. So I'm not trying to pronounce judgment on the church. I'm simply was just stating facts so that we've cleared that up. But the other comments I've heard lately, because it, I guess it did stir a few people up, um, I heard responses. And the responses broke my heart. Because the responses of if this church closed was still more selfish than they were about selfless. Yeah, if this church closes, which I'm not saying it is, I'm not pronouncing it is, but who would it affect more? You? Are you more concerned about how it will affect you or how it will affect the 85% that are on church still?
See, again, light bulb, it reveals our heart. Are we selfish? Are we being selfish? I was getting ready this morning and I was asking God, what's happening? Why? Why is the church declining in America today? Why? You know, and if we're part of that statistic, what's going on with us? You know, why are we declining? You know, why is it that, you know, finances are going down and involvement is going down and attendance and why? And the simple word that came to me this morning when I was getting ready is that we've drunk so deep of the world that we've become dull in the church or as the church, to tell you the truth, that it's like it's two-sided, it's both in the church and as the church. We've drunk so deep of the world, what we want, we get, we need this, we need to have that, we want to enjoy this, we want to do this, that we become dull inside the church and as the church. So my point today is not only to try to revive in your mind the purpose of the church, the body of Christ, but also to be able to be... Um, Ready to answer, because if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and telling people about God and inviting people to come to church, you will inevitably have that person that will say, well, I don't need to go to church. I can search God on my own. I can worship God on my own. They'll list those things that we listed in the staff meeting, right? I want to equip you to be able to respond with a good answer. What is the church for? What is the purpose of the church? And if I went into depth, we would be here months. I'm simply trying to state the one eternal purpose of the church, the body of Christ, for you. So that when that person does say, well, why do I need to go to church? You're going to be, I am so glad you asked me that. I know that answer now instead of, oh, I don't know. Because we have good coffee. Because somebody always makes a snack and it's usually only a buck, you know? So you can answer correctly. You see, we've lost the purpose of the church. We've made the church all about what it can do for me and have forgotten what God created the church to be. So turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians 3. If you went through the class with me, the sit-walk stand, we went through the book of Ephesians, his little book, Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee. I saw that there was extras out there at the connect counter is amazing. Again, it goes through the six chapters of Ephesians, but it's like mind blowing the depth that you get out of your identity in Christ through that little book. Little plug for him. You should pay me for that. Anyway, he's dead now, though. Church, this building, is a gym to build people up, a hospital to fix people up, and a university to train people up. But everyone must do their part. We can't all be receiving all the time. It's in the church, the body of Christ, where we will see the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Uh, let me just read this to you, and I'll try just to kind of stop and, and give you a little pointers and, instead of trying to take too long here. <sighs> Let's start at chapter 3, verse 7. 
Paul is the one that wrote this. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. That's a mouthful in itself right there. I have become a servant of this gospel. Let me ask you, have you become a servant of this gospel? Or are you trying to make this gospel serve you for what you can get out of it? How does it benefit you? Again, go back and listen to that message a few weeks ago about selfish salvation. Because if this word is only here to, to benefit you, if you becoming a Christian is only so you'll have a get out of hell free card and get into heaven, you're living a selfish Christian life. Have you become a servant of this gospel? Or are you trying to make this gospel serve you? By the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. It's grace. It's God's grace that gives us power to live, fulfill all he commands us to do. It says that He, the grace of God gives us the power to live godly lives. To say no to ungodliness. It's his power working in us. that His grace in us that equips us to do all we're commanded to do. Um, goes on to say, although I am less than the least of all God's peoples, this grace was given me. Why? Here it is. Number one, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We're called to preach. Go into all the world and preach, teach, heal. We're all called to preach. Verse nine, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Listen, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold, the multifaceted, multidimensional, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Listen to this to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. His eternal purpose was that the church would stand up together in unity and speak to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That was his manifold mystery, his manifold wisdom unfolded. How? In the church that stands together like, like I said first, sir, like a transformer. Anybody know transformers? I love them. I really do because it's like a car, but then, you know, or a semi, or, and then you click it all together and it stands up and it's a humongous robot, yeah, Megatron, <laughs> right? I'll tell you, I used to fight with one of those little guys. I know, I think it was Tyler. Maybe it was Isaiah. One of the boys loved Transformers. And I'd be like, I am figuring this thing out, how he clicks together. And I'd always have one little part that just wouldn't click right. And it would be like, then he'd be like flopping around. And you're like, stand up. And he'd like, you know. But when we all click together like we're supposed to, we stand up. And he says right here, that all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm take note. Whoa. That's the body of Christ. That was his eternal purpose for the church. Let's keep reading. 
In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Goes on, verse 14, for this reason. I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family. Who's his family? Everybody. Everybody is considered his children. It says, in heaven and on earth, everybody, whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have Power together with all the saints. Is that standing up there like that power? With all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When the church comes together, clicks together, stands up as the body of Christ, it speaks to the world, to all the heavenly rulers and authorities. That's the body. All the mystery, the manifold wisdom of God, the fullness of God is made known in us when we come together. The body, the church, the body of Christ. Uh, he said to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. The administration there means the fellowship and stewardship of. The fellowship and the stewardship of the church. Not how many likes you have on Facebook. Not how many hits you have on your post. The fellowship, the koinonia, the intimacy. It's, that koinonia fellowship means face to face. I'll try not to be too graphic, but in reproduction, human beings are the only ones that reproduce face to face. We are made in the image of God. He said you cannot have fellowship any other way than face to face. And that's how you'll reproduce who I am. is through face to face intimacy and fellowship, which only happens in the body of Christ. You can't do it if you sit at home by yourself and think, why do I need church? Because this isn't happening by your, well, anyway, let's not go there. God chose the church. It said his, his divine purpose, his eternal purpose, he kept hidden for generations until now to display his manifold wisdom in his church.
Paul's prayer included that when we're rooted and established in love, and I've preached this over and over and over again, it has to be, love has to be the basis for which you do things. Remember when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Because it takes all three. Takes your heart beating. You can't, you, that, because out of your heart you just tell people, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well, let me ask you wives, if all your husband ever did for you, your whole married life was say, I love you, I love you, and did nothing, would you believe him? Heck no! Mm-mm. I slipped in that, you know, the five love languages to my husband. I'm like, you got to find mine, buddy, because that's just not doing it. No, okay, I didn't. Kind of. Anyway, but from all three, it has to come from all three. It has to come from the heart. Yes, you have to speak it. You have to say it. God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But he says also with all your soul, which is your mind, your emotions, your thoughts. So he has to fill your mind. Think about it. When you were first Twitter pated. Who did you think about all the time? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to be with him. He flooded your thoughts. He flooded your mind. He flooded your emotions, right? I mean, Shar and my daughter and I got into this conversation one time because somebody asked her, do you, do you love him or are you in love with him? She came back to me. She goes, Mom, I'm 30 years old. What's the difference? I'm like, let's think about that. She goes, because I love you, Mom. She goes, but I love him too. But I don't think I love you the same way I love him. And I'm like, yeah. So, how? well, let's. I said, well, think about it. If I pulled up in the driveway, what would you think? She'd be like, oh, Mom's here. I said, if he pulled up in the driveway, what did you think? She goes, my whole stomach turns over. She goes, and all of a sudden I feel my heart just start beating faster. I said, that's the difference. See, it can't just be, I love you, I love you. Your emotions have to feel it. Your thoughts, your, your, it's your soul. And then he said, also with all your strength, which means you got to show it. All three. So your basis of everything you do in the body of Christ as a Christian, remember even James said, show it, show it. Don't just say you have faith in God, prove you have faith. You have to prove it. If you can't prove it, it's like, you know, with my husband, I did say a few months ago, he's like, I love you, baby. I said, prove it. He goes, what? I said, prove it. Prove it. How do you, you can say it, but. How have you proved your love? And after a while, I'm sure all the marriage counseling came back in his mind. And he's like, I wash the dishes. I do the laundry. I help with the And he started going through all the lists. Because my love language, well, besides gifts, is acts of service. I said, that's a good boy. Yes, yes, right. Because you need to prove it. It's with all your strength, too. It's with all your heart. All your mind, your soul, your thoughts, your emotions, and all your strength. And if you give into the body of Christ, you don't just come to church and think, what can it give me? You understand? Again, that's that selfish Christian. When you walk in on Sunday and come in and you're all about these things that we listed earlier about things really you 
go do on your own. If you come to church and that's just the basis of it, you'll come in like a little leech, attach yourself to the body and... <laughs> and then go back out. Oh, do whatever I want to do. Yay. And come back on Sunday and attach your... <laughs> like a leech sucking the life right out of the church. When he talks about later, and I'll read that to you again, about being a supporting ligament, it's that you are not only giving and receiving. You're giving and receiving. That's a supporting part of the body. It has to be both. If you just come in and you just give me, give me, give me, give me, make my day, but my week's been horrible, you know, give me, me, me. I got this little illustration earlier too. Because we really need to, the Bible says, don't consider men according to the flesh. Which is a nice way of saying, or a deep way of saying, don't look at people on the outward. You know, Kirk is beautiful and he's got a nice blue shirt on, but I'm supposed to look at him as a child of God. Actually, it's best if you look at him as a baby of God. Because then when Kirk cries out, whining, I don't like that. I can easily attend to him as a baby if he makes a little poo-poo, you know. I won't say, Kirk, what are you doing? I'll just change his diaper. Because if I don't regard him as flesh and I look at him the way God looks at him, I won't be offended if he messes up. I won't be hurt if he doesn't meet my needs. All I do is want to meet his needs and take care of him. Again, out of the basis, love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. And then it says, love others as yourself. You understand that we have to, I can't just stand over Kirk's crib and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and let him poop and pee and cry and not take care of him. That's not love. So see, when we look at each other, we are all, not just in this building, again, I want you to really get this. We, in these four walls, are not God's only children. In my family, we have six children, two that still live at home. I had to count. How many do I have still at home? Stop it. I'm old. Anyway, two I still have at home. Two, yeah, I can't, my sister. Two of my older ones who are loving God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And then two middle ones that are still out in the world. Do I love any of them any different? No. So to regard people, to, to look at people as little babies of God's, changes the way we do life together. And how we minister to each other and take care of not just each other in the church. Again, his whole description of the body is when you raise up, when you come together, doing your part, supporting ligament together. We stand up and the world takes notice. That's the body of Christ. Then when the little Christian or the little baby or the backslidden prodigal looks at you, they don't just see you, they see the body of Christ. They see the hand of the Father. They, they hear and see the heart of the Father. And now when they look back, now it's a falling into your arms, the prodigal son returns, right? Not because of who you are individually, but who we are together. I have to be careful, I'm like jumping all over here. 
like I said earlier, he goes on in chapter 4, what I was just sharing with you, being that supporting ligament, um, down in verse 11, chapter 4. He says, he gave some to be apostles, some to be teachers, some to be prophets, evangelists, and pastors to prepare God's people. To prepare God's people to do the works of service. It's not so that we do them, so that we equip you to do them. I've asked my husband, you got to pray for me. The flesh is weak. Spirit's willing, flesh is weak. I've had a lot of people come to me lately and, and voice their complaints about what's missing in the church or what's getting undone in the church. And my flesh wants to rise up and say, what are you doing about it? <laughs> but I had to, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Well, you know what we should do? We should, well, why don't you do it? Well, you know what's not getting done? Well, what are you doing about it? You know, my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. To prepare, keep going, right? My mom called me last night. Are you going to preach something nice to us? I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean. I just, I am, I am, I am compelled to speak the truth to you. Because if I have one of my kids, which all of them went through a phase where they were very, very selfish, right? I mean, doesn't all kids go through that? You don't just keep giving them, you know, here's another candy bar. Oh, aren't you glad? Here's another candy bar. Here's another candy bar. No, you, you have to tell them the truth. You know, buddy, no candy bar for you if you can't share it with your brother. Right? If I just keep feeding you nice messages that make you feel woohoo, flowery and dancing out out of here, where's the truth? Because flowery messages, um, Crystal's fantastic playing of the keyboard prayer at the altar, they're all wonderful things, but truth sets you free. Anyway, so I'll just kind of, I'll kind of hurry through those not so nice times. But it says to speaking the truth in love so that we grow up. Grow up. And it says in that, from him the whole body joined together, held together by every supporting ligament. Do you know your ligament, your ligament, your ligament, your ligament? Everybody's a ligament, but are you a supporting ligament? Which means give and take. Their blood goes in, blood goes out supporting it's moving it's active it's connected i used that description before that the statistics say in the world not in this church of course not no that's a lie i can't say that that's a lie we'll speak quickly through that that only five percent are actively engaged with time talent and treasure in their church the the ones who come on a regular basis only five percent time talent and treasure all three if I had a body right here, and of that body, only 5% of it was actively doing its part, what would it be? Paraplegic. And yet that's how the body of Christ looks as we wheel ourselves out there to the world. You have what I need? Right? So are you a supporting ligament, it says? Supporting, 
builds itself up, grows as each part does its work. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about time, talent, and treasure. Because it's all three, and it's three things that God's given to every one of us. But like Pastor Neil said at the offering exhortation, you prove who is your master by who takes precedent in those three areas. Who takes precedent? You or God? So I want to wrap up going back here to the basis. Remember, because if we all just tried to plug in and do it for the Lord, we won't last long. It's got to come from that heart of love. It's got to come from love that we do, we can look at, we can, uh, we can love, we can reach out, we can love the one that looks unlovable. <laughs> we, we can give to the one that, you know, is beaten and broken and holding up a will work for food sign without judging. You know, we can give food to those, we can give our time to those, we can give our talents, we can give our treasure to those. Because we're not regarding men as flesh, but as God's little babies. God's children. His hurting, his broken. Do you understand? Thursday, is it Thursday? Isaiah, my oldest son Isaiah and his wife Rachel gave birth to Ophelia Elizabeth Reese Mauer. And I was so happy. Haven't even got to see her yet. Haven't got down there to hold her yet. So encouraged. Eight pounds. Bundle of joy. Love. You know, I said, how can I fall in love with somebody I haven't even touched yet? You know, and I can't just, I can't stop staring at her picture. That was Thursday. And I'm like, oh, I got to get down there. I got to see her. Well, yesterday, Isaiah texted a picture and said that they took a... Jody's going to correct me, I'm sure. A CRP test, blood test, and her um, blood count things were high. Anyway, it shows that her body's trying to fight off an infection, but they don't know what the infection is. So they've had to do all these multiple tests on her, cut her, poke her, pry, you know, all these little things on her little body. They bandaged up her eyes, put her in under this blue light, and she can't be held. She's got to be under this blue light. And for a while, and Isaiah sent me the picture. And I started crying right away. And then God says, that's exactly what I see in my lost kids. They're beaten up by the world. They're poked and prodded. Would you put, did you put that picture up? That's Ophelia. I'm not going to look because it just crushes me. That's what God sees when he looks at his kids outside the church. Those that are away from the church. Those that are still running, lost. They're beaten. They're cut up. They're poked. They're prodded by the world. They're blinded by the enemy. And they're left abandoned. And he said, can you see them? You're sitting in your four walls, your air conditioner, your fans on. You have everything nice. What about them? They're still out there. What are we doing for them? You got to take that picture down. I can't even think with knowing that it's behind me like that. And my heart just broke. Oh my gosh. I was crying just for a little, you know, my grandbaby. But God says, I weep every day for mine that are lost. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? 
until we come together as the body of Christ. Unity, join together, supporting ligaments, stand up. Then we move as the body of Christ and we can scoop up the babies. We can love on them and take them in. Not as our own, but as his. So out of that love has to come action. I mean, who wouldn't? If you look at everyone like that baby, wouldn't do something. That's what we're supposed to live like. Out of that heart of love. Out of that love. You know, last week, I'm, I am wrapping up. Stop looking at me like that. I really am wrapping up. Last week, I talked to you at the end about how Jesus came back to Peter and was restored Peter's love. And he sat around with him and he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Again, the question was not, do you love me more than these guys love me? It wasn't a competition. Because in the scripture, Jesus also told us that if you want to be worthy of me, you have to love me more than you love your father, more than you love your mother, more than you love your brother. Do you love me more than you love these people? And when he asked them that, Peter said, yeah, of course I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. See, each time he asked Peter, do you love me? He told him, then show it. Then take care of my sheep. Third time, Peter, do you love me more than you love these? Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. You see, it's not enough to just say you love. It's not enough to just say you're a Christian. Show it. Prove it. Be the body of Christ and come together as supporting ligaments. And let's do what the eternal purpose of the church was created for. To stand up and move as the body of Christ. Christ the head. But love, it's got to be out of that basis of love. It's got to come from that heart of love. So it ushers. Let's do the two stations here. If you can put one here, get ready for communion. One here for communion. I just think it's such an appropriate time. I know the first Sunday of every month we take communion. But man, what an appropriate time that we're talking about the body of Christ. Being the body of Christ and it's communion time. Because it's in communion that we agree. We remember. We thank God for the body and blood of Christ, of Jesus, that came and took our place. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So what I'm going to ask is, uh, first, would you just stand up where you're at and then just... This might be a great time for you guys to make a commitment for the first time or maybe a recommitment because Jesus said if you want to be my disciple you must deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me do you see any selfishness in that no it's a selflessness not of self at all it's all about him his purpose coming in alignment clicking together as the church, the body of Christ. So this would be a good time. So what I'm going to ask is this section right here to come up and take the elements and stay up at the altar. Same with this section. Come up here, take the elements, stay up here. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to just help direct you. Because what I'm 
really, really challenging with you today is not only the James challenge. James challenge, remember I said earlier that you can't just say you have faith. You can't just say you love God. Prove it. And think, while you're coming up front here and you're taking the elements and you're finding a place at the altar, think about it. Think about it. Is there enough evidence in your life to prove your love for God? To prove you're a Christian. I'm also asking you to take the challenge that Jesus challenged Peter with. If you love me, feed my lambs. Feed these little babies inside the church and outside the church. Take care of my sheep. We're all his sheep. Remember he even said, but some have wandered away. And what does he do? He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Because he sees the one little baby all beat up, bandages all over them, cut up, bruised, blinded, and left abandoned. And he goes after the one. Can you do that? He said, feed my sheep, Peter. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. I'm challenging you. If you're a Christian, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. Prove it. Click into the body. Be the body of Christ. And if you haven't, if you haven't made that commitment yet, perfect time. Perfect time. It's just your you're talking to God. And simply, just like I said, he said, if you want to be my disciples, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's simple as just saying, Father, right now, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to come in my place. This bread represents the broken body of Christ. It says on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took this bread, broke it, and said, this is my body broken for you. He didn't say, even though we know it, it was broken for the world. But he made it personal. And he looked at each one of them. It was broken for you. It was broken for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us your best, your one and only son, Jesus, for standing up and stepping into our place and taking the weight of all sin. Even while we were still sinners, it says, the word says that you came and died for us. Thank you for your body broken for us. We remember you today. Let's take this together. The word says in the same way, Jesus took the cup and said, this is my blood that was poured out to atone for for the remission of your sins. And that word and the embodiment of that word is not just a do away with your sin. It's an erase of your sin as if it never happened an erase of your sin and I feel this as strongly as I did first service that if your body is marked 
by a sin, whether you committed it or somebody else did it to you, if your body is marked by sin in any way, this blood, this symbol of Jesus' blood, today is going to erase that. I've heard testimonies of people cutting themselves. This one girl, her whole arms inside was all marked with scars from where she had cut herself over and over again. And one second, with one truth, understanding Jesus' blood erases all sins and all marks that sin might leave on you, they all disappeared in an instant. Your body does not have to be marked by sin when once you surrender to Christ. If you believe it, it's a lie. Your body is no longer marked by sin. And so when we get ready to take this and pray over this, understanding truth will set you free. That if it's in your body, maybe it's a, a blood-borne disease, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a, a outside a scar, maybe, maybe it's a mental stronghold that you think that this I'll always be this way because of that that's a mark of sin and it's today it's going to be erased erased so father right now we lift up this blood of Jesus the symbol of his blood poured out for us for the erasing of our sin for the erasing of all marks from sin completely as if they never happened we thank you, Jesus, for your blood is powerful and effective to do all that you intended it to do. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Prayer team, if you're up here, I don't want anybody leaving. Just